Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Does anyone feel tired of making choices? Like we have so many choices to make, right? What career should I pursue? What do I put on my Christmas list? And even like life-changing choices, like who should I marry and what meal do I get at Chick-fil-A? This is a serious problem. (laughs) Studies have shown that the abundance of choices often lead to stress and anxiety. Have you ever been to Costco on a Sunday after church? The amount of choices you have to make on one trip can often lead to stress. And so I want to help you out today. That's my hope. I came up with some, the unwritten rules of Costco shopping. And most of this will translate to other stores for those of you who don't have the pleasure of being members of Costco land. So here goes, the unwritten rules of Costco shopping. Should I grab a cart or not? Grab a cart like everyone else. Don't fool yourself thinking you're only going there for one item. And even if that were true, that one item weighs 57 pounds and you're going to look silly carrying that. And no one has the stamina to endure the line. Okay? Grab a cart. Don't try to be a hero. Okay? Should I wait in line for a food sample or not? Okay, listen. If there are... Five people in line, take a spin around the block, get the next batch of salsa and chips, okay? And listen, when they're pouring the salsa into the mini cups, like don't hover, okay? Just walk away, grab a book, read a couple pages, and then make your way back to the line. And if you're really hungry, just spend $1.50 and grab an oversized hot dog and fountain drink, okay? All right. I'll give you one more. Which aisle, which side of the aisle should I walk? Okay, um, what if we all agree to utilize traffic laws in stores? This should be universal in every American store. Yes. Like, do you stop in the middle of the highway? No, you pull over, right? Right, right side of the lane. Yield where you're supposed to. Look over your shoulder before turning. No texting and driving. This is basic stuff. Listen, I can keep going, but I think that's enough to help you have less stress when going into Costco. The truth is we have many choices to make, and we have a choice that is the most important choice, and it's who will you choose to worship? Like, Tim, that's a no-brainer. We're all here at church. We're joining in online, and when we could have been doing anything else, we're obviously worshiping Jesus. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're listening to me right now, and you don't know what to think about Jesus. And I'm so glad you're listening to this, because at the end of this talk, I think you're going to get a better idea as to who Jesus is. But for those of us who do follow Jesus, we are overwhelmed by different opinions and different interpretations. And so I want to make this very simple. And some of you might not like that. Like, I I, I don't like simple. I like deep. Tim, I like to go deep into God's word. 
Well, I, I don't think when we face Jesus, he's going to ask, how deep did you go into his word? I think he's gonna ask, how deep did the word go in you? How much of your life did you allow Jesus to change? I would hate for you to hide behind complicated theology because what was simple didn't make a difference in your life. And so let's jump into John chapter one. We're gonna read through verses nine through 13. And we're gonna talk about the unwritten rules of choosing Jesus every day. We're, we're in a series called The Word Was God. And when John wrote this book, Christianity was already spreading throughout the entire Roman Empire, but so were also other schools of thought. So false teachers and cults, they were trying to spread their messages. And so people had a choice to make. They had different options of worship. So John wrote this book so that everyone could understand that Jesus is the only true option and the best choice. He wrote this book so that people would understand who Jesus is and is not. John wrote this book so that people would believe in Jesus. So before we dive in, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We know that the Bible is your inspired word, and so we know that it's good for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So we pray right now that as we read your word, you would do it exactly that that you would transform us, that you would change us, that you would penetrate our hearts and, and you would tear down any walls that we've built up. Lord, we trust in you. We know that you can do this. We pray this for your glory in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. So let's read the entire passage and then we'll go back and read each one at a time. John 1, 9 through 13. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. So let's go back to verse nine. Nine is a very simple sentence, but it's jam-packed with amazing fundamental truth. So let's read it again. Verse nine says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So from the surrounding verses, we know that John is talking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the true light. And what does this light do? It gives light to who? Everyone. And actually this is a way that God demonstrates his love. God demonstrates his love by shining his light. Now you may be wondering, how, how is shining a light a demonstration of love? Well, because Jesus, the creator of the universe, actually gives a who about us. More than anyone else in the world. Have you met people from our day and age? We are a crazy bunch. Like, why doesn't God give up on us? Like, we keep messing everything up, but it's because God loves us without any conditions and he chose to demonstrate his love by shining his light for everyone. And guess what happens when you shine a light into someone's life? You expose their darkness. You know when you invite friends over to your house and you forget, you forgot to clean, and you're like, oh man. So, so okay, the least thing, the least I can do is vacuum the carpet. 
So you're vacuuming the carpet and you purposely leave the lines in the carpet to make it seem like your house is clean. You, you light a candle to mask any possible smells in the house. Your house may look clean and you may fool your friends and your family, but guess what? When Jesus comes to your house, he brings a big flashlight and he shines on all of your mess and he opens every closet and he looks at all the dust and, and the dirt and, and, and the, the sticky floor from the juice that spilled last week and, and the, the smears on the glass and you get to see the cables. You, you didn't even know there were cables back here. Guys, there are miles and miles of cables back here. I see wood, chip, hot wood chips, like what in the world? You didn't know that it was there before, but now you can see them. And this sounds mean. You might be thinking like, this doesn't look like love. This looks mean. But in reality, it's unloving and much easier to ignore the darkness. Like, let's not worry about what's back there. Let's just talk about sports and the weather. But Jesus wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want to just talk about sports. When he comes to your house, he brings a light and he shines it on everyone because he loves you the way you are and he calls us out of the darkness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus enters your house and he shines a light and is ready to clean up. You don't get this through religion. Through religion, you get a to-do list. But with Jesus, you can't really do anything to clean up your house. Only Jesus can actually clean your house. So check out verse 10. It says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So there are two fundamental truths. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him. And Paul says it well in Colossians 1.16. He says, for in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. God demonstrates his love by shining his light through the person of Jesus Christ. So we can ask again, how is shining a light a demonstration of love? Because the creator of the universe entered the world. Last week, Pastor Joe reminded us that celebrating Christmas requires us to look at Jesus before and after the manger. Like if we only look at Jesus as eight pounds, six ounces, we're missing on so much. So when we think about Christmas, I think it's normal for us to think about the fact that the creator of the universe became a baby. Like the creator of the universe was contained in a baby's body, had to drink milk and had to be rocked and had to learn how to walk. Listen, I don't know about you, but have you ever held a baby? Like I, when I hold my baby boy looking so peaceful, I look at him into his eyes and I say, man, I wish I was in your spot right now. You have no worries, no responsibilities. All you have to do is sleep, eat, and you, you get the point. 
The fact that God became a baby boy is fascinating, but what I find amazing is that Jesus is the eternal word of God who existed before all time and space and made everything and that he stayed on this earth for 33 years. No responsibility, like the first year as a baby, no responsibilities, no worries, but he, he stayed here for three, 33 years. The creator of the universe who was outside of time and space entered into time and space and stuck around for over three decades. Listen, if it was me, the first sign of puberty, and I would have been like, hey guys, it's been real. Um, I have a great place up there. I love you, but I love it up there even more. Thanks be to God, Jesus has never and will never give up on us. But what happened when this true light was given to everyone? Look at verses 10 again, and then we'll read 11. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The world did not recognize him. Another way that um, you can say this is the world did not learn to know him through personal experience. You can get to know about a celebrity by research, right? You can research this person, you can read biographies, you can watch documentaries, and you can learn, you can be a master about this person, but it doesn't compare to inviting the celebrity to your home and living through life with them. The people rejected God's light because they didn't walk with Jesus, they didn't know him. And John 3.19 summarizes why people did not recognize him. John 3.19 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We reject God's light because we love darkness. We become familiar with darkness, right? When, when you're in it, even though it's destroying you because it's familiar, it's much easier to ignore the dark, the darkness over there. So we keep trying to block the light we keep trying to numb the pain. We, we actually prefer, some people will shut others out instead of facing their darkness. If anyone gets too close to them and begins to expose some of their darkness, they get shut out. Did you ever experience that? When you love someone enough to tell them the way that they need to change and now you become the enemy and they blame their sin on you and they're angry because you didn't look the other way and now the pride that is in them causes them to dig deeper into darkness and away from the light. This is what Satan wants. This is how he tries to destroy families and marriages and relationships. Why else do we reject God's light? We reject God's light because we'd rather have religion. Religion is just easier. Like, Just tell me what to do. Right? How many prayers do I say? How often do I go to church? How much do I give? Like, what do I need to do? Give me a to-do list and I'm good. I'll, I'll do that. Many of us would actually prefer religion, but it doesn't work with God that way. In fact, it doesn't work with any relationship. Can you imagine if you had a checklist, like if you're married and you had a checklist of how to make your spouse happy? Marriage would be so much easier. Like there are single people who would say like, Oh, life would be so much easier if only I were married. <laughs> That's cute and wrong <laughs> and wrong. Marriage is complicated. Marriage is hard. It takes a lot of work to have a healthy marriage. 
It takes a lot of work and an investment and time to have healthy friendships. There was a time when, when Jesus saw the people holding on to religion. They were holding on. And this is what he said in Matthew 15. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And it's so easy to do that here in our church. Like we have a large church, and because of that, it's easy to slip in and out and give no one the opportunity to shine a light into our lives. It's easy to blend in and go through the motions. Don't choose to blend in. Don't choose to be anonymous. Allow yourself to be seen. Some of you have been coming here for years and you're still blending in. My prayer is that today you would stop blending in and that you would allow yourself to be seen for who you truly are. So remember the unwritten rules of Costco shopping? All right, grab a car, don't try to be a hero. If there's more than five people in line for a food sample, spin around the block, okay? Now, verse 12 is the unwritten rule of choosing Jesus. Look at 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the true light came into the world and many people rejected it. But some, some were like, hey, bring that light over here. I need some light because I've been living in darkness and I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired of living a life that is empty. I'm tired of living a life where I can't see where I'm walking. I need the light in my life. So when we trust Jesus to come into our house and shine the light on our mess and allow him to clean up our mess, we're no longer just human beings. We become children of God. And the fact that we can even have that opportunity is a demonstration of his love. God demonstrates his love by shining his light, but also he demonstrates his love by adopting those who believe into his family. And notice I said those who believe are adopted into his family because there will be people who will say, we are all children of God. But the Bible actually says that although we're all created in his image, we are not children of God unless we receive and accept this light and love of Jesus Christ and believe in his name. As much as we wish it weren't true, being a nice person doesn't make someone a child of God. Going to church doesn't make someone a child of God. Having Christian parents doesn't make someone a child of God. So who then can become a child of God? Verse 12 says that, well, well yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus says in Matthew 7 that on the day of judgment, many people will think they live their lives following Jesus. And they're gonna show him a resume of all their religious activities, but then they're gonna discover that there was never a relationship. I believe many of us will be surprised at the end when we stand before his throne. People who live their entire lives thinking they were children of God, but then in the end find out they're not. Oh, Tim is using a scare tactic to get us to follow Jesus. It's not a scare tactic, it's the truth. 
And often we don't like to hear the truth. Yes, it's scary to fall into the hands of a God who is all powerful if we're under his wrath. Yes, it's scary to find out that after all our religious acts, we may still not be a child of God. Yes, it's scary to find out that the Jesus we thought we were worshiping is actually not Jesus, but a false light. See, I think what John is trying to do with these verses, he's trying to wake us up to the one true light and love of Jesus. Look at how the prophet Isaiah describes it in Isaiah 9, 2. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. So we talked about what you do when you invite friends over to your house. But what if you don't invite anyone and someone rings the doorbell? Like, are you the type that freaks out? Like, are you hiding? Like, I will be on my ring camera app in the kitchen trying to, who is there? In the same way, how do you respond when Jesus rings the doorbell to your life? How do you respond when you encounter his light? What do you do when you find a Bible passage that exposes your sin? What do you do when you find a Bible passage that you don't agree with because society doesn't agree with it? Look at what Jesus said in Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This is not religion. Jesus is talking about having a relationship with you. That is good news. The Son of God comes to your house. Maybe you're listening to me right now and, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And you're thinking, you know, Tim, I, I, before Jesus comes into my life, I need to get my life in order. And so I need to do the dishes and I need to mop the floor and I need to vacuum the carpet. And I need to dust the shelves. The truth is you don't. That's religion. Jesus comes into your life and does what only he can do. He comes into your life and he exposes your sin, but then he grabs a vacuum and he starts to clean up your mess. Jesus comes ready to forgive your sins. Jesus comes ready to renew your mind. Jesus comes ready to mend your heart. Jesus comes ready to make you whole. Jesus comes ready to wash your feet. And Jesus is not concerned by what others will say. He's not worried about what your family and friends will think. He's not moved by what society claims to be true. Jesus either is or isn't the way. Jesus either is or isn't the truth. Jesus either is or isn't the life. How will you respond when the light of Jesus enters your life? Maybe you're listening and you already follow Jesus. You are a child of God. My question to you is, what area of your life needs more light? But Tim, I accepted Jesus already. I, why would I need the light? Because when Jesus enters your life, he does it for a purpose. Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. What darkness are you staying in? What room are you closing off 
for yourself? What sin are you holding on to? Maybe you've been lurking around sinful thoughts a little bit too long and you need to come into the light. Maybe perhaps you're, you're allowing yourself to be so distracted by everything else and your eyes are not fixed on Jesus. So you resort to stress and anxiety and depression. And I'm not saying that all anxiety and depression come from not fixing our eyes on Jesus, but I have often wondered if the seasons of anxiety and depression of my life, if those could have been avoided if I had only fixed my eyes on Jesus. What is Satan using to try and keep you in the dark? Is it a device? Is it a website, an app, a relationship? something or someone else that you're worshiping, it's time we step into the light and walk in the light. So how do we do that? Here are just a few ideas for you. One way to step into the light is to connect to others who follow Jesus and are walking in the light. And there's so many ways for us to do that here in our church. There are groups you can join to help you recover from addictions. There are Bible studies for young adults and men and women. And and you can serve on a team here at Faith. Just embrace the awkwardness. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other and allow it to heal you and to set you free so that you can continually walk in the light. And there are areas of our life where we try to keep Jesus out of. For example, our finances. And I'm not saying like, if you don't get to the church, you're an enemy of God. Like that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that often Satan will use our worry of or love for money to keep us from being used by God with our money. And so here's a way that you can give today. Every year around this time, we encourage our church family to give beyond their normal giving. And so this year we we have a fund where when we give to this fund, we will distribute the resources to three different areas. And so one area is Iglesia de Fe, which is a church in Allentown that we partner with. And every month they, they host an outdoor worship and prayer event and people who, who struggle with food insecurity, they, they can come there and, and worship and pray, but also they can pick up groceries for free. And so your extraordinary giving can help the cost of the groceries. We will also focus on giving towards the Kindness Project. This is a wonderful place that, that resources foster and adoptive parents. And each year, they offer a holiday wish drive so that children and teens can can choose a gift experience. And so your extraordinary giving can give these families an opportunity to have beautiful memories. And the third place we'll focus on giving is unreached language groups. Over the last six months, we sent three members to Southeast Asia to plant a church where there is no church and to translate the Bible where there is no Bible in their language. And so your extraordinary giving can help the cost of our team. Walking in the light can cause us to let go with some of our financial worries and lead us to give in areas like this. Now listen, if you missed everything I said, remember this, this is what's most important. Jesus loves you and wants to be your light. Tim, that's so elementary. It's not deep enough. Jesus loves you and wants to be your light. But Tim, you don't know my sinful past. You don't know what I've done. Jesus loves you and wants to be your light. 
but my marriage is in shambles. I don't know what to do anymore. Jesus loves you and wants to be your light. Well, I don't have any friends. People don't understand me. I'm alone. Jesus loves you and wants to be your light. Well, nothing I do can measure up. No one loves me. Jesus loves you and wants to be your light. How will you respond to him? Will you reject him or will you receive him? Will you let the light shine in every area of your life? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for demonstrating your love. Demonstrating your love by shining your light. By adopting us as your sons and daughters. Lord God, we thank you that you shine a light into our mess. Sometimes we forget it's even there. We ignore it. Lord, we've been ignoring it way too long. We wanna open up every room of our life. And Lord, I pray for those who have rejected your light time and time again. Lord, right now I pray that they would receive your light and believe in you. And Lord, for those of us who are following you, but we have several rooms in our home closed off to you. We have some darkness that we're holding on to. Lord, we pray that you would shine bright in each of those areas. Help us as your people to walk in the light. We love you, God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.